Welcome to the G Spot, the podcast that discusses topics relating to sex, dating, and relationships, with a focus on pleasure, connection, and education. I'm your host, Heidi G, sex and relationship therapist, and I believe we are all entitled to a fulfilling sex life and relationships. The G Spot, the best sex and relationship education you'll ever get. Orgasms are the peak of sexual excitement. It is a powerful feeling of pleasure and erotic sensation. Today, I want to discuss male orgasms, and joining me is an expert on the topic. Cam is a certified professional sex coach, certified sexologist, registered counsellor, and registered tantric yoga teacher. His work integrates scientifically validated, medically accurate information about sexual health with sacred sexuality teachings from the mystery traditions. As a coach, he helps men go beyond surface-level sex and into full-bodied, self-expressed, pleasure-orientated sexual experiences free of anxiety or shame. Welcome, Cam. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I need to ask you, mystery traditions, can you please explain what that means? Yeah, totally. So um, I, for a couple of years, moonlighted as a yoga teacher mm-hmm. and had a um, and I, I had a really fond um, time in university as well, actually studying um, philosophy. So I, I have this affinity for these uh, Eastern esoteric spiritual uh, ancient teachings. Mm-hmm. I suppose you could you could kind of all those all those labels are applicable, and I really find a lot of um, value and a lot of, uh, uh, I suppose, like wisdom in these old, ancient kind of teachings that I think is really able to be utilized and applied uh, and, and integrated with like Western talk therapy and medical models of healing. Mm-hmm. So so things like, um, things like tantric Buddhism, uh, things like, uh, Vajrayana, uh, all these, like, uh, I, I suppose, you know, and I spent a bit of time in, um, in Thailand mm-hmm. to, to like really firsthand experience this. Um, and I was, I ordained as a Buddhist monk as well as a Mahayanan Buddhist monk. Um, and you know, I think there was a lot of like learning for me at least, uh, about my own masculinity, about my own sexuality, about my own life experience, I suppose that was, um, yeah, really profound. And, and from that, I managed to, um, I suppose, you know, uh, collate it and, and kind of package it in a way that was also supported by, um, all the academic studies that I'd done mm-hmm. as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't really, um, I don't really, uh, advocate for, or I'm not a huge proponent for like going on a, um, you know, uh, a big spiritual journey, spiritual quest. You know, I, I let people that are in that kind of spiritual space do that work. Um, but I, I really try and bring that knowledge um, and ground it in some some scientifically validated information because I think it's really amazing to bring those two things together. We oftentimes, at least in my observation, see like uh, the scientific camp, the academic camp, uh, you know, they're all evidence-based, empirically researched, and and it's incredible the work that they're doing. And then there's also this other camp where it's all spirituality-based, it's intuitive-based, it's, um, you know, these old esoteric teachings. 
Um, and it's uh, also incredible, amazing work, but very rarely is there an overlap between these two communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the work that I'm doing, at least I'm my intention is, and what I'm trying to do is, is try and bring those two communities together and try and bring those two teachings about sexuality together. Um, and so it's been an interesting journey. And, and um, uh, you know, funnily enough, a lot of these ancient teachings from these, you know, quote unquote, mystery traditions, mm-hmm. the spiritual, spiritual practitioners is oftentimes supported by by scientific research it's just about finding the the research that backs mm. it up uh and yeah it's been a it's been a pretty fantastic and fascinating journey to kind of integrate those two things i have to say um i'm also um on a spiritual journey as well um and it's been amazing you know how the two like sexuality and spirituality um just kind of Mm. link um and i'm also um a reiki practitioner as well so Mm. you know in order to do the course obviously i had to you know work on myself and clear my own chakras and um just you know i i thought it was all you know a bit of hocus pocus to be honest before i actually started um researching and learning more and more about it and just the connection and like i said working on myself and clearing my chakras and you know being more in touch with my own sexuality it just made me um accept myself more um it got rid Mm. of a lot of the shame as well um and you know reading your bio i mean you do mention free of anxiety and shame and i can certainly Mm relate to that as well so it's just um and i get blown away when i meet another sexologist who um is on the spiritual journey as well it's um it's amazing yeah and i I find it really um powerful to especially for the men that i work with to you know ground all that information in like the scientific uh you know supported evidence-based kind of research and use that as a bit of a launch pad to then take them into the spiritual side of things. Uh, So it's like if I, a really practical example of this is like if I, um, and I'm sure you'll be aware of this as well, use a lot of breath work, a lot of breathing um, in in terms of like mindful masturbation Mm -hmm. and and other types of practices. And and it's really um, like it helps a lot if I teach these guys about like the diaphragm and the thorax and the difference between the nervous systems and how breathing can affect the, you know, your, your parasympathetic nervous system and, and actually physically relax you and release tension from your body and give a lot of like really, um, you know, that kind of Western model way of thinking about things and then introduce them to like a tantric breathing exercise and say, Hey, here's like this way you can start to breathe and and relax and connect to your own pleasure and connect to your partner's pleasure and kind of do a bit of a circular breathing um, exercise. And and I tell them to breathe into their pelvis and down into their balls and things Mm -hmm. like this. But to get them to that point, it's, it's really, really helpful to have that like, Hey, here's the reason why we're doing it. Here's what actually happens when you do this practice rather than just launching straight into the experiential, you know, tantric exercise. Yeah. Is that what you mean by um, full bodied experience rather than the surface yeah. level? Yeah. Totally. So I, I find like a lot of guys, and this was true for me for many years, we're just kind of scratching at the surface of, of sex. You know, we, um, and a lot of guys that I work with kind of don't really know how to take their sex life to that kind of next level or, or to go deeper with it. And, and, you know, there, and there's like this, um, 
there's a lot of shooting when it comes to men and sex. Like you, this is what sex should mm-hmm. look like. This is how you should experience orgasm. This is what you should be doing with your partner and by yourself. And so because of that, there's a lot of like limitations and um, a lot of parameters put on like the way that men show up sexually. So it's like, you know, here's only one or two positions. You you have to be, uh, you know, penis centric and penetration oriented. And, you know, the only thing that you can experience pleasure from is that five second ejaculation mm-hmm. at the end. And it's, and it's, so it's very, very restrictive. Um, and so I find that that's quite, you know, surface level. Yeah. You know? and, and there's not necessarily anything wrong mm-hmm. with that, but I do find that a lot of people want to take their sex life to that kind of deeper, more intense, maybe more intimate space. And one of the ways that I, um, encourage people to do that is to, um, take their focus away from their genitals mm-hmm. like not just not just solely focus on your cock and and on the shaft and on the head of your penis but start to really focus on the rest of your mm-hmm. body you know your your whole body something I, I tell a lot of guys is you're not just your mm-hmm. dick you're actually one big dick mm-hmm. and you know the, from the tips of your toes to the top of your head have nerve endings in it and you can experience pleasure throughout your your whole body um and so to go from like this surface level way of having sex which is just kind of I guess you know, we could use porn as an example, right? It's very linear. It's very narrow. It's very uh, cookie cutter. It's very surface level to go to that full bodied experience. It's like actually involve your full body. You know, there's a practical way of actually starting to change your sexual experiences. Can you experience pleasure in your fingertips, in your chest, in the back of your neck, in the soles of your feet? Like what, where else can you experience pleasure on your body in a very literal sense? Mm. Oh, yeah. And I have that same or a similar conversation when I'm talking to my clients about oral sex. It's not just mm. about the genitals. You know, you need to work work the rest of the body as well you know, to sort of yep. prime the yep. body. Totally. And, yeah, and you're mm. absolutely right. I see that with um, a lot of male clients that come to see me, they're so focused on their penis, you know, ejaculation needs to be mm. X amount of time. My erection needs to be this hard. It used to be this yeah. hard when I was 18 and now I'm 42 and it should be this and it should be that. So like you said, there's a lot of shooting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, in your own words, what is a male orgasm? Yeah, so um, we kind of uh, touched mm. it just then. It's it's you know, the male orgasm for a lot of people should be a certain way, yeah. right? It should look like a certain thing, and it and and for a lot of people, it's ejaculation, right? Ejaculation and orgasm are are synonymous. Yeah. They for 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 a lot of people, and and I think it's you know a really key piece of information that was a game changer in terms of my own um, sexual journey and, and something that I've seen is kind of a light bulb moment for a lot of men is actually learning that orgasm and ejaculation are actually two separate physiological processes. Yeah. Um, and we, um, and we can, you know, we can subjectively study both of those, both of those um, processes. You know, we've, we've got the evidence to kind of support that. So I think um, you know, the male orgasm and uh, something that I like to, to share is, you know, Clinically, when we define orgasm, there's over 27 different definitions of what an orgasm mm-hmm. is. You know, depending on depending on the type of professional that you ask, you'll get a different answer. Mm-hmm. You know, a cardiologist will tell you it's an elevated spike in heart rate. Uh, you know, a, an endocrinologist will tell you it's the secretion of specific hormones. Uh, you know, a psychologist will tell you it's a subjective feeling of heightened pleasure. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different things that we can use to define orgasm. And I think that's like the the foundation for going. Well, you know, if there's all these different ways of thinking about orgasm, then let's, you know, let's open up our experience and say, well, does orgasm have to be an ejaculation? Can it be, can it be something yeah. else? And, 
And, um, and so that's something that I encourage men to do is to experiment with not ejaculating, but experiencing heightened states of pleasure, those really heightened states of arousal and spending time in those states as well. Oftentimes when, when guys get to that heightened state of pleasure, that heightened state of arousal, they get to like, like 10 out of 10, they will ejaculate. Mm. And I, and I often ask guys, you know, when was the last time you had sex or you masturbated and you didn't ejaculate? Yeah. And guys just look at me. They're like, what are you talking about? You know, they just get blank stares and they go, that was the whole reason for having sex and masturbating yeah. was so that I can yeah. ejaculate. And so I, I encourage them to say, okay, look, take two weeks to, to not ejaculate. Just, you know, make the, make the decision, have the intention, speak to your partner about it and say, look, I just want to spend two weeks still being sexual, still experiencing pleasure. Mm-hmm. But not ejaculating and you know once ejaculation is taken off the table you, you kind of it, it prompts the question what else is there what else can you explore what else can you experience pleasure from um and that's the uh, just like a gentle challenge and a reframe to start going whoa if if ejaculation doesn't equal orgasm then how can i experience orgasm without an ejaculation mm-hmm. and then that's where the whole coaching process kind of starts um so that's I guess like to, to answer your question more directly, what is a male orgasm? Um, but there's no real one definition mm-hmm. for it, right? There's, um, the, it's kind of whatever it is for you. I know there's some schools of thought that say a quote unquote true orgasm is one that includes an ejaculation. But for me, we've also got things like prostate orgasms. We've also got things like um, you know, uh, uh, non-ejaculatory orgasms as well. So I like to use the... Um, at least, you know, to give some sort of practical um, something that you can really hold on to here is like three, there's three nerves in the body that, are, you know, neurologically. So if, you, if you're talking to a neurologist, they'll tell you about with regards to orgasm. There's the pedendal nerve, mm-hmm. which is what connects to the um, sympathetic nervous system via the, the perineum, that space in between your genitals and your anus. And it's what uh, triggers that smooth muscle contraction when you have an ejaculation. So that's, you know, the pedendal nerve is one orgasm. Um, then there's two other nerves. One's called the pelvic nerve and the other's called the hypogastric nerve. The pelvic nerve kind of runs over the top of your hips. It's connected to uh, the sphincter and to the area around your genitals. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the hypogastric nerve, which is uh, connected to or it innervates the prostate. And an interesting, you know, uh, interesting observation about the hypogastric and the pelvic nerves is that they carry predominantly parasympathetic fibers, which means they're connected predominantly to the parasympathetic nervous system, which means if you're familiar with the way the nervous system works, the the sympathetic nervous system is all about your survival response, your stress response, your fight or flight response. The parasympathetic nervous system is all about relaxing and and it's your rest and digest response and it's releasing tension from the body. And so if you're wanting to experience you know, an orgasm um, that doesn't involve an ejaculation, one of the most practical ways of doing that is to engage your parasympathetic nervous system because you'll bypass that pedendal nerve, which triggers the ejaculation reflex, which is part of your survival mm-hmm. response, as part of your sympathetic nervous system response. Um, and so, again, circling it back to like breathing and, and then slowing down and relaxing and releasing tension you can then experience perhaps even a prostate orgasm if you're doing some prostate play. Uh, and, and, you know, the body, there's reasons for all of this because the body, you know, has to be relaxed if you're putting something up your butt to experience a prostate orgasm, for example. You know, it's, it's a lot more conducive to be relaxed and to, and to be uh, 
free of tension when you're doing this type of thing. And, and it's another way of experiencing, you know, full body pleasure. You think away the way the nervous system is oriented, the sympathetic nervous system only branches out to those crucial areas of the body that are necessary for, for survival. The, um, I guess the, the penis and the ejaculation response kind of being necessary to reproduce to pass on your genes as a survival response. Um, but the parasympathetic nervous system, which you, know, you can experience orgasms through, like I said, the prostate or through the sphincter, through some other areas around the genitals or th- throughout the body, it, it innovates more than the sympathetic nervous system does. It, it branches out to the limbs and to the fingers and to the toes and to all these other areas of the body that aren't necessarily survival related. Um, and so when you experience pleasure through that part of the nervous system, you experience way more pleasure because it's dispersed through the body rather than just through the that sympathetic um that sympathetic branch of the nervous system so again it's a way of experiencing full body pleasure in that sense as well because you're actually feeling it through a different part of your nervous system but because we have this um you know habit this pattern that a lot of guys go through which is ejaculation and orgasm being the same mm-hmm. thing oftentimes the only uh i guess the only pleasure that they're experiencing is through that survival mechanism which is ejaculation and that's not to say it's not pleasurable um it's just to say that there's actually more pleasure that you can experience that's not just limited to that that little uh peak in in pleasure which is through that part of the nervous system yeah it's um it's amazing that the looks that i get from some of my male clients when i tell them you can experience an orgasm without ejaculation they look at me like what? No, no. <laughs> or if I asked a client, uh, you know, did you have an orgasm? Oh, well, I must have because I ejaculated. Yeah, um, and yeah. when I try and explain <laughs> what it all means and why I've asked that question because they're looking at me like, well, are you an idiot? <laughs> mm. um, they they mm. still sometimes, not all clients, um, some male clients just don't, they don't get it or they don't take my word for it. And as I was saying to you before we started recording, um, sometimes I find it's a little bit difficult um, for me to explain, even though I'm a sexologist, um, I have some male clients, do you know, you're not a guy. So Mm. what do you know? And that's why I thought you would be the perfect person to have on the show to discuss this, you know, from a male's perspective. Um, And just what what you were just talking about then, it just shows how important breath work and mindfulness is so, like it's so important to connect with your body. Mm, mm, Totally. And there's like like the, the easiest way I can explain this is like, you know, think of the things that happen when a man ejaculates, right? Think of the physical symptoms, I'll say, or characteristics. Yeah. There's like elevated heart rate. There's, um, you know, oftentimes the breath will shift up into the chest or, or even into the clavicles. And some guys even hold their breath when they're ejaculating. Um, there's muscle tension, you know, myotonia, you get mm-hmm. that, that tightness. Some guys like try and push and try and squeeze and try and force like an ejaculation to try and make it more intense. Um, and so the, the, uh, temperature of the body goes up as well. So you've got all this like cluster of characteristics that, um, that represent an ejaculation. But if you took that cluster of characteristics, right. And you just, uh, you took it out of the erotic sense, out of the sexual sense, applied them to a person, a guy walking down the street. And you all of a sudden saw this guy, you know, tense up, squeeze, hold his breath, his chest, you know, kind of locks up and, and his breath goes into his, into his thorax and he's squeezing and, uh, and his heart rate goes up and his temperature goes up. 
we would think this person's having a panic attack. Yeah. You know, we would think this person's having an anxiety attack. Yeah. And, um, and, and so in a way, I often say ejaculation is like a pleasurable panic attack. It's like a pleasurable anxiety attack because the, the symptoms are, are elevated uh, arousal responses, mm-hmm. elevated sympathetic nervous system responses, arousal in the least erotic sense of the word there. And, um, and so like if you're wanting to separate your orgasm from ejaculation or just start to experiment with like expanding your pleasure, think of all those characteristics of ejaculation mm-hmm. and do the opposite of them. So instead of holding your breath and, and drawing the breath up into the chest and, and, and quickening the breath, slow the breath down, drop the breath down into the diaphragm mm-hmm. and, um, and really take long, deep breaths. And instead of tightening up and squeezing and tensing and trying to push for an orgasm, push for an ejaculation, relax as much as possible, release the tension from your hips and from your pelvis and from your body and try and stay as um, open and as surrendered. I like the, to use the word surrendered mm-hmm. as possible. Um, and instead of instead of allowing the heart rate to kind of keep on beating faster and faster and faster, uh, a teacher of mine likes to say, you know, like a, he says balloon sex is what a lot of men are having is they, they kind of build and build and build and build mm-hmm. and build until they pop. Yeah. It's like take, take a moment to, or take several moments to, to allow the heart rate to slow down, to connect to another area of your body, to, to relax and to release tension and to notice what you're feeling in terms of the pleasure in that space. So you know, do the opposite of what an ejaculation looks like for you. Uh, and that's one way of just starting to shift your, your sexual experiences. The other thing I wanted to talk about, which you have briefly touched on, is um, prostate play. Yeah. Now, some some of the comments I get from my um, straight clients is, you know, they're, they're curious, but they um, they're a bit embarrassed or ashamed to try because they see it as um, as a, a gay gay sex or a gay act. Act, you know, to um, insert anything in their um, their, their penis. I'm sorry, their yeah. um, anus, penis. That would be a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> inserting, but, uh, <laughs> inserting into a penis is a completely different well, conversation. Well, yes, yeah. I know. I mean, some people do it, but you know what? We'll do another podcast on that. <laughs> um, so, in their anus, and I know um, you've also been advocating for um, sex toys for m- men as well. Yeah. Um, so. What suggestions um, and advice do you have for men who are quite curious um, and they have that sort of shame or they put that sort mm. of stigma between, um, you know, uh, they attach it to um, anal play, you know, gay, yeah. gay sex and anal play. Um, mm. I say, you know, if it gives you pleasure, give it a go. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, yeah, um, totally. But, you know, what, what um, advice and what suggestions do you give to men who are curious and would like to um, experiment with anal play? Yeah, so you you hit a, a big nail on the head there, which is that shame and the stigma. Yeah. And you know, we and, and that's a that's a huge conversation to have, and we can talk about like why that's there and um and you know the the idea of internalized homophobia and things like this. But the 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 fact of the matter is, it is a huge resistance for for a lot of straight men. Um, to want to I- explore or experience any type of prostate or anal stimulation. So one of the statistics that I'd love to share um, is a couple here, and I'll, I'll roll them all into one, is mm-hmm. there's been surveys conducted on um, gay men couples and you know, heterosexual straight couples uh, 
and asking them about the uh, types of sexual activities that they do together. Mm-hmm. And 30, I think it's 31, 32% of gay couples say that their previous sexual encounter together involved anal penetration and about 24 to 25% of straight couples said that their previous sexual encounter together involved anal penetration on the guy in that relationship. So, you know, where, and my, my, I'd hazard a guess and say that that 25% is actually higher based on the, the stigma and the taboo that, you know, we have around, you know, um, straight men reporting, uh, and, and, wanting to wanting to be open about the fact that they're experiencing anal penetration or anal pleasure. So we've got mm-hmm. a very similar statistic there, right? One in three and one in four. And I would hazard a guess and say it's more like one in three in both cases. Um, mm-hmm. but we, so, and, and, and the reason why it's similar is because we're humans. We're all humans, regardless of our orientation or, um, or preferences. We all do things at roughly the same rate, you know? So this I- yeah. idea that anal penetration is exclusively for gay men doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. really hold up it's just a it's a, a bit of a um fabrication i suppose and and um and this idea kind of can come from the uh the over emphasizing of of penile vaginal uh intercourse yeah. for for straight yeah. cu- straight people and straight couples and they think well if if that's what we do to have sex then obviously what gay men do to have sex is you know uh, penile anus penetration as well because there's this overemphasizing of of penetration, but um, mm-hmm. but so so if that's you know what they're worried about that it's exclusively for gay guys you know the the statistics say otherwise uh, and then there's some really amazing surveys that are coming out not necessarily from academic journal articles but from a lot of adult toy companies which are asking straight men if they ever have or would be interested in trying any type of prostate toy or prostate massager and mm-hmm. uh, consistently we're getting 70 plus percent of straight men saying they either would have or they either have or they would have um tried a, a prostate massager so there's a, a a big percentage of men as well that are interested in some type of anal penetration um but maybe mm-hmm. that stigma is being you know um is being something that that is creating resistance for them so i think the more that guys talk about it the more that they start maybe acknowledging that it is something they want to explore and that they probably do have some shame around it. And the more they just start owning that, um, which is one of the reasons why I'm trying to advocate for it and talk a bit more about it. I think we'll start to see, well, it's actually something that more guys want to do. And it's actually something that it's not so, um, you know, it's not just the small percentage of people that, that maybe, you know, are interested in it. It's actually quite a large percentage of men that are, that are interested in doing it. So, um, so hopefully that, uh, alleviates a little bit of anxiety for for some guys that have a bit of resistance to um, anal penetration, and then the the next thing is to to you know address some of those stories, you know, of like you know, are you you know if you're by yourself, um, like your your prostate doesn't have a doesn't have a gender, doesn't have a sexual identity, so yeah. you're by yourself, it's still sexual, it's still masturbation, it's still sexual exploration by yourself, so it doesn't mean anything doesn't you know like you said if it, if it feels pleasurable just just give it a shot if you're not hurting anyone then why yeah. does it why does it matter um and then on top of that as well if you are heterosexual and you're exploring some type of anal penetration or anal stimulation with your female partner by mm-hmm. definition 
regardless of what the two of you do together, that is straight heterosexual sex, right? Because you're, sex, yeah, exactly. you're, you're having you know, a, a sexual encounter between a man and a woman. So, you know, this, this, it's almost irrational or illogical um, way of thinking of, of anal penetration as being exclusively homosexual is, you know, it, it helps uh, at least in the work that I've done with men to just kind of have a, a rational breakdown of like what's going on for them. So, um, so I usually share a lot of those statistics and just ways of thinking about it with, with guys that helps to kind of break down a little bit of that anxiety and a little bit of that shame. And then, you know, I'll say explore, um, there's plenty of guides. There's plenty of um, of of like templates online for like how to do it safely and hygienically. And mm-hmm. um, and you know the biggest thing is, well, the the couple of biggest things is like be as relaxed as possible. Like I said, you need to be relaxed if you're putting something up your butt. Um, use lube. Like you, you know, there's a good rule of thumb of not using never. There's never too much lube when you're when you're doing any type of anal play because um, your anus doesn't naturally produce lube like a vagina would. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, take it slow, you know, be gentle, be, be, um, be kind to yourself. You know, and there's, there's a, another beautiful survey around, um, you know, sexual satisfaction for female partners. Um, and they, they broke it down into two categories. One where the male partner had a previous experience with their anal penetration on themselves and one where mm-hmm. their, where their male partner didn't have any anal penetration on themselves. And they found the sexual reported sexual satisfaction of the women in those relationships were higher when their man had done some type of anal penetration on himself because you know he he learns from experience what it feels like to be penetrated and so therefore when he does penetrate his partner he knows that he needs to be a bit more gentle he knows that he needs to be more attuned and sensitive to her um her pleasures and her her restrictions and and um, make sure that she's got enough lubrication and make sure that she's relaxed enough to be penetrated. So, you know, not only is it really good for your own sexual exploration, it's also good for your, your sex life. You become a better, yeah. better lover. And you also then have the added benefit of being really good for your prostate and your, your reproductive yeah. health as well. So, um, so there's a lot of reasons for, for doing any type of prostate stimulation. And I just like to share a bunch of them so that it kind of mm-hmm. normalizes and, um, and reduces that anxiety and that, that stigma around it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think it's so important. Um, and that's, uh, you know, a question or a comment that I get a lot about, mm. um, or I hear a lot from, um, straight identifying men, just the, like I said, the embarrassment and the shame. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's all, yeah. It's, and it's all, um, because of what we think our mates will say, you know, it's all, you know, yeah. our mates will label us this or that or whatever. So there's, That's there's it. a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of layers to it, but I think as long as we start talking more about it and start discussing it in a, you know, in a, at least in, in my opinion, in a, in like a really open and factual way, then guys are going to be like, mm. Oh, okay, cool. I might give it a shot then. Yeah. And finally, um, do you see or do you work with um, men who um, are on antidepressants and who have lost their libido, um, who haven't um, experienced an orgasm for a while because of the medications? Um, have you worked with a lot of men who are in this position and um, do you have any tips for anyone listening who might be on antidepressants and doesn't have a sex drive or is not able to orgasm? Mm, this, so this is a really interesting question and, and it's um, not something that I have a lot of experience with, so I want to just mm. preface it 
by saying that first and foremost. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a amazing community online called PSSD Forums. And, mm-hmm. um, and I really want to share that as a resource for, for people that may be experiencing this type of um, you know, sexual concern of, of antidepressant um, induced kind of, you know, um, sexual, sexual dysfunction. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, the, the way that I've worked with, I think two guys that have had um, this specific concern that there's nothing really else going on for them. It's just antidepressant related. And Mm -hmm. the way that I've worked with them has been through um, sensate focus, right? So this idea of like, focusing on the pleasure that you're experiencing rather than focusing on whether you've got an erection or whether you're you're able to be penetrative or whether you're able to have an ejaculation or whatever it might be just dialing it back to like well okay forgetting about all that let's focus on what actually feels pleasurable for you you and and starting to notice that maybe in other areas of the body starting to then gently start to direct it towards their their penis maybe if they've got a partner focusing on on the pleasure that they get from their partner touching them um so really really dialing it back to the the foundations again of like okay well what what gives you pleasure what what um can you experience pleasure through Uh, and then starting to build on that um and then there's there's um a lot of like i've again uh, something that i like to try and bring into my work is that kind of um esoteric spiritual uh some would say maybe naturopathic teaching so i've got a Mm -hmm. um a lot of uh, herbal supplements and a lot of things that I, I know from, again, backed by research, but have been used in that esoteric space for a long time um, that start to build up that um, arousal response again, that start to help with, um, if, especially if they've stopped taking antidepressants as well, if it's like post-antidepressants, then things like um, ginseng and ginkgo um, and uh, goji berries and cacao, uh that can be taken as, as uh, adaptogens or supplements or, um, or things that are able to kind of boost that, that function in the body again. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I got a friend of mine who, who does a lot of work in that space. He's really clued into how it works. And, um, and so that's another thing that I'll do, but m- like my speciality is not in, um, is not in medication induced, um, sexual dysfunction. So I'll usually mm-hmm. outsource to someone, but, the, the, there's a beautiful like community, like I said, that PSSD forums online, and I definitely recommend checking out the anecdotal and also um, empirically studied research that's being put up into that forum. There's a lot of advice there. Yeah, and I have to say, um, you're talking about sensate um, focus exercises. I get a lot of my clients to do that, and I just I, I love sensate focus exercises i think it's a great way when this is what i tell my clients of going back to basics and reconnecting with your body yeah you know getting the body um, used to being turned on again and um sort of like learning to ride a bike again that's the way i like to look at it mm, totally totally um so cam if um people want to reach out to you or find out more about your work how can they do that uh so the two places that i recommend people checking out are my instagram account which is at the Cam Fraser. And then I've also got a website, which is cam-fraser.com. Fantastic. I just want to thank you so much for sharing your knowledge today and um, and so much for your time. It's just been a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having a platform to have these types of conversations. 
great. Cheers. Thanks, Cam. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow me on social media at Heidi G Spot and check out the website at HeidiGCounseling.com. Join me next time on the G Spot because the world is a better place when there's great sex and relationships.